I asked you guys before the break, how many points does Ohio State need to score to beat Michigan? Ohio State has been held to 24 or fewer in four games. That includes the Penn State game. That includes the Notre Dame game, which are really the only two that are close to this one in regards to competition. Both those, they scored under 24. But I think this works both ways as well. The defense hasn't allowed more than 17 points at any given point all year. That Maryland game. That Maryland game was just an awful game uh, for the first half. And then the second half, as we all watched, was a different story. Because Ryan Day then went to my favorite recipe, which is Henderson and Harrison, and then step aside. And he was able to do that, and it worked, and there was no problems. 24? Does that get the job done here? Over-under in this game is 46. And... I, I, listen, I don't think I could bet on Ohio State or Michigan when it comes to the actual weighing my dollars and, and, and trying to give money to the, the folks in desert in the desert. I, I don't think I can, mainly because it's just it's more of a toss-up game to me than it is anything else. And if I was really, truly believing that, though, then I guess I would take Ohio State in the hook with three and a half. Maybe I would go that route. But I, I, I just I'm staying away from it. I, I don't want to be any more. I don't need any more emotion. I don't need anything extra. It's same thing with the Browns games. You know, on Saturday, I got so much invested into these Browns games. I never place a bet on a Browns game. I never do it because it just doesn't benefit me. I have so much anxiety already built up in these games. It just it doesn't do me any good. But with Ohio State or Michigan, I genuinely don't know which way this game is going to go. I think 24 from the Buckeyes gets the job done. I'm betting the under on 46 for two reasons. One, I think the friends in the West that I have overrate J.J. McCarthy, and I think they underrate Ohio State's defense. And I think if if the if Ohio State is going to win this game, I think the key to it, it might sound a little counterintuitive because all you've ever heard about J.J. McCarthy is how great he is. You know, Jim Harbaugh, again, coming from the source, look who it's coming from, but Jim Harbaugh called J.J. McCarthy a combination of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. All right, like there's, there's heavy praise as to who that man is. J.J. McCarthy is the key to Ohio State winning this game, though. Force J.J. McCarthy to beat you. And if you force J.J. McCarthy to beat you at the end of the game, you can shake hands and say, job well done. If J.J. McCarthy can actually get it done with his ragtag bunch of no-name receivers, they don't have a Marvin Harrison on their side. They don't. You have that advantage. And honestly, when it comes to the run game, we'll talk about this in a second, I would take Henderson over Donovan and Corum when we're just talking straight-up talent. Now, the combination of Corum and Donovan, I think, is a little bit better. Donovan Edwards not playing particularly well this year in particular, but I got to give him respect. Donovan Edwards last year in this game ran for nearly 10 yards a pop and went for 200 on the ground. He averaged almost a first down on the ground. At some point, you got to tip your hat and say respect, right? If I'm looking at the advantage as in the trenches and who wins there, as I've said like 12 million times this week, the winner of this game has won in the trenches 21 straight times in a row. Whoever wins the rushing battle has won this matchup 21 straight times in a row. It's incredible, right? But last year, Michigan averaged 7.2 yards a carry over 250 yards on the ground. Edwards went for almost 10 yards a pop, as I mentioned. Two years ago, they went for 297 on the ground averaging the same 7.2 yards per carry. They got to find a way to stop the run game. If Ohio State is stopping the run game and it forces Michigan to try to beat them with J.J. McCarthy, 
then Ohio State fans, congratulations. I'll see you when the game is done, and we can all drink about it. I think you'll be in good shape. Conversely, though, if it feels like Michigan goes into that that same offensive identity they had in the Penn State game where J.J. McCarthy threw for 60 yards and they ran the ball an insanely high number of times, if they go to that well and Ohio State isn't able to stop them early, it might be good night, Jim Kite. It might be blouses. It might We might have to call that one a little bit early, and I hate that idea because the past couple games, past couple versions of the game, we've had to call it well before when we should have called it. And think about last year. Think about last year in particular. I said for a while, I thought the difference in this game is Kyle McCord versus J.J. McCarthy. And the true difference there is what the difference is between C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord. I think the biggest Ohio State honks would have to give C.J. Stroud 8 to 10 points of a difference between C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord in this game. Somewhere around there. Here's what I'll tell you the difference is, though. And I think this is a good thing for Kyle McCord. And because if we're talking about just the game, then we got to zero in on what's happened with C.J. Stroud in this game in particular, right? I can't, I can't take the big picture lens on it. I got to take what I saw last year. If Kyle McCord is going to end up a winner on Saturday, what he's got to do here, he's got to limit the turnovers in a way that C.J. Stroud was not able to last year. Buckeyes led the game last year 2017 at the half. They were up three points. You want to know how the final five drives went in the game last year? Final five drives. Michigan touchdown, Ohio State pick. Michigan touchdown, Ohio State pick. Michigan end of game. I'm not asking Kyle McCord to be God's gift to football. I don't think he's got as much talent as C.J. Stroud has in his pinky and his whole body. But what I am saying is I know Kyle McCord can at least limit the interceptions, and I know when it comes down to it, if his offensive line, and we're going to bring Bohm here in just a little bit, but it's been a big talking point between uh, Bohm and myself, and a big talking point for Bohm is the idea that this offensive line has to be good. I dug a little bit deeper, okay? Because I'm going to give Kyle McCord all sorts of credit in what I do believe he can do well, which is not turn the ball over. Kyle McCord with a clean pocket this year. 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, completing 72% of his passes. Kyle McCord under pressure, completing 38% of his passes, two touchdowns, two picks. He is basically an unplayable quarterback when pressure gets on him. That's why the offensive line is such a big factor in this game. That's why this offensive line matters in such a big way. That's why when we're talking about in the trenches, it's every facet of this game. This game is one between the big dogs up front on offensive and defensive side of the ball. it's one. Can the defensive line stop the run game of Michigan, and can the offensive line get Kyle McCord enough of a clean pocket where, according to the data from Pro Football Focus, he is basically one of the best in the nation in college football when he's got a clean pocket, and then on the other side of it, when he's under duress and he doesn't have a clean pocket, he turns into one of the worst quarterbacks in the nation. It is Jekyll and Hyde. It is night and day. So let me ask you, 216474 to below 92. How many points does Ohio State need to score to beat Michigan? Bob had a couple thoughts in here. Appreciate it always when you tweet in, Bob. Bob says, OSU has to score 35 points. McCord can't turn it over. Henderson has to have a big game, and the defense has to shut down the Michigan run game. Okay, all makes sense there to me. Make McCarthy throw, but that's dangerous too. As a side note, 
He, oh, he tells a story about getting on an airplane and then everyone screaming OH and then the entire plane was just full of Buckeyes. That's always fun. It, you, Bob, you got it nailed. You got it 100% right. That's exactly right. As long as McCord doesn't turn the ball over and as long as he's got help from that offensive line, get him that clean pocket because it's just night and day, the difference between when he's got a clean pocket and when he doesn't. The Buckeyes not only have a, a, a living, breathing chance. I mean, geez, it's a three-and-a-half game. People are walking around acting like the Buckeyes are 12-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one. It's a three-and-a-half-point spread. Travion Henderson didn't even play in the game last year. If we were to do, like, uh, you know, on the on the Sunday shows before the Browns games, we always do, like, our X Factor of the game. Brought to you by our friends at Extend Technologies. How about that one? There we go. Who remembers the reads when we're not even doing the show? This guy does. And Travion Henderson would be my X Factor for this game. As Ohio State, they don't go as Henderson goes, but if Henderson outruns what Michigan can do with Corum and Edwards, Ohio State will win the game. Simple as that. 216-474-0092. How many points does Ohio State need to score to beat Michigan? We'll get your phone calls. We'll continue on with your tweets as well. Uh, we got the fan focus at 9 o'clock also. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadlin here with you on the fan focus. All righty, fan focus coming your way in 20 minutes. We'll get to a Joe Flacco discussion coming up after that as well. We got off the beaten path at 940. All sorts of things in the mix right now. Reminder, take the time to get the special post-game podcast and two fresh episodes every week from the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland crew of Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin so you can hear the stories behind the headlines. Subscribe at 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution, and never miss a beat during the season. Right now, I'm trying to draw up the blueprint, and I want your help. I want to know how many points the Buckeyes have to score to win on Saturday. I don't believe it's nearly as many as people think that they do, but I, I think the game plan is pretty obvious to me. Henderson's got to be a beast in a way that because he didn't play last year in the game, we didn't see him get an opportunity to do so. And I think that might have been one of the missing ingredients. I mentioned C.J. Stroud's interceptions in the game last year as well. I mentioned the final five drives where it goes Michigan touchdown, Ohio State interception, Michigan touchdown, Ohio State interception, Michigan end of game. Last year at the half, Ohio State was up three. If Kyle McCord is in a similar situation this year, I think Ohio State wins that game. The difference between Stroud and McCord is obvious and it's evidence to anybody that has watched a single snap of the two of them. But the one thing I'll give McCord credit for, if he's got a clean pocket, he turns into an elite quarterback. When he's got a clean pocket, he's no longer just a Honda McCord. He's no longer just that okay whatever guy. 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, 72% of his passes. Really, it falls on the offensive line in a couple ways. They got to get him a clean pocket, and they got to let Henderson do some work as well. And I think that's got to be the difference in the game. Boom, you've been talking about this offensive line for weeks, though, if I tell you that's the recipe in this game, I don't know that that makes you feel good inside, but it's what it has to be. Yeah, I think the offensive line is going to be a huge part of it. Also, I think something that really took a uh, toll on Ohio State throughout the course of the game has been explosive plays in Jim Knowles' first year in that uh, defense. And I really think that we've seen them, like, hanker down on mm – -hmm and like really take issue with that over the course of this offseason. And there's been a lot of growth from 
the offensive line that was trotting out there against Notre Dame, I feel less confident about than the offensive line that's going to be trotting out there against the team up north. But they still do have to answer questions. Like uh, Their left tackle is the most penalized lineman in all of college football right now. Their center, Carson Hinsman, he's been so-so. He's had moments where you see him like getting to the next level and sure. just laying guys out. So it's it's getting there. But this is going to be their toughest test of the season so far. Uh, and there are questions that are going to be that need to be answered, especially when you know Ryan Day. Like, I expect him to try to get aggressive in this game, JP. Mm. I imagine that he's going to have some routes that are long forming, and you're going to have to give McCord some time. Uh, you're not going to allow him to get into that flow unless you can give him uh, successive periods of having time back there to throw. Because as you as you pointed out, he's dangerous. He's really dangerous. Green when pocket he is great. When, under pressure, he's got 38% completion percentage, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He gets under pressure, he melts down. Yeah, and so I'm really curious to see how Day's going to come out with this one because I think you're going to want to see spurts of him getting aggressive, but also that quick passing game to allow McCord to get into a rhythm. They love doing those shallow crossers. They always seem to uh, use those effectively, get Travion involved in some screens. But ultimately, the running yep. game with Henderson is going to be massive. He is, and as you alluded to, he was not a part of last year's contest. This season, he has been, when healthy, the best running back in college football. I don't even think that's a homer take to say that. You see the difference between him and everything beyond it, or like that was playing behind him? And no offense to Trainum and Dallin Hayden and Mayan Williams, because they're all very good running backs who have possible careers in the NFL ahead of them. But Travion Henderson is on a different level. He's built different. Yeah, he's a weapon. Him and Marv Harrison Jr., Maserati Ma! <laughs> You've been waiting you, to drop that one in. You've got to get both of them involved, and I think that they're also going to have a little extra emphasis. Now, granted, you don't want this to is, bleed is into— Gus, Is Gus on this game? Gus is on this Gus game. Gus is on this game. Is Gus he going to say it, or is he going to say Marvelous Marv? I wonder. Yeah, he's got to pick a lane there, doesn't he? Kind of do, but like I like both of them. Yeah, I wouldn't hate if he says them both. Throw them both in there. Yeah, that means, rotate them. That some... means the Buckeyes are doing all right. Yeah. I can't wait. This I can't is, wait for this game. This is also a huge game as far as, like, uh, Harrison's Heisman implications. Like, if he has a big game, he at the very least clinches the trip to New York, I think. I think I think the trip to New York is more than in play. I'd agree with that. Big game, and he clinches the trip to New York. I think these Heisman voters want to give it to Bo Nix in the absolute worst way imaginable. They want to give it to somebody else. They want to give it to a quarterback first off. Bo Nix is a fantastic story. Uh, there, there's his stat line this season. What is it? Thirty-five he's TDs, ridiculous. two interceptions. It's it's unreal. And 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 the fact that he's been around college football for as long as he's had, we've seen him have so many downs to have this type of ups. It's a it's a great college football story. Marvin Harrison. I the part I hate about the Heisman is that the Heisman isn't always just best player, and the and the Heisman isn't always just. Uh, all, always great wide receiver lived up to expectations or always great quarterback live up to expectations. Sometimes there's the human element to it all, and the human element would speak to someone like Bo Nix, who we've seen him at the absolute bottom of the college football basement, and now he's in the penthouse, and he's taking an Oregon team. If he can close it out, and I know it shouldn't matter, but it does, if he can close it out, he's got my vote. Not that I have a vote. They haven't given me a Heisman vote yet. They haven't given me a Heisman vote. Pete Futek has a Heisman vote. He was on Afternoon Drive. This is what he had to say. 
Ryan Day doesn't lose to Maryland. He doesn't lose to Purdue. He's not losing to Michigan State. He doesn't lose to Penn State. I mean, it gets lost in this whole shuffle. Who did he lose to over the Ryan Day era? I know I've said this to you before, but look back at the losses and give me the one glaring, oh gosh, I can't believe they lost that. It was like the national championship. They lose to like Clemson in the college football playoff. So it has to be kind of said, be careful what you wish for because there, but for a little tweak, you're Texas A&M. I mean, I mean, it can happen, even at Ohio State. So I think the narrative, if they lose this and they don't get into the college football playoff, which they probably won't, will be really, really grouchiness against Ryan Day for not being able to get this done. That's all it's going to be. I would love to do a fan poll after this game if they end up losing and finding out how many Ohio State fans want to give Ryan Day the pink slip before he can even get on the bus. I would bet it's like 85%. It'll be, that number will be so high. Uh, what's at stake here for Ohio State? If I were to ask you guys who's the game bigger for, Ohio State or Michigan, a lot of you guys would respond back and you might say, well, Michigan's got to prove they're not cheaters and this is how they do it. I'm not buying that. You guys don't believe that. Astros went to the World Series after they had their sign-stealing deal. We still called them cheaters. There's, there's no erasing. When you get the, the scarlet letter, Attached to you, there, there's no erasing that one, okay? It's not how that works, all right? I, I know it. I've I played in this arena for too long. You guys will not forget what happened with Connor Stallions and the sign stealing. Doesn't matter if they win the title. Doesn't matter uh, in the, if they win the next three titles. None of it matters. You'll always think about it. It's how this works. Astros have a mini dynasty after their whole sign stealing fiasco. Didn't change people's perceptions one iota. I also don't believe Jim Harbaugh is going anywhere. Because of the support that Michigan has shown Jim Harbaugh, I'm on, I'm in the minority there. I'm not in the majority when it comes to this opinion. I just believe Jim Harbaugh is a foxhole guy. Foxhole guys appreciate when people stick their neck out for him. Michigan stuck their neck out for him in a big way over the previous month. I think that I think that's going to matter a, a big deal to someone like Jim Harbaugh. I think he got, he finally got showed some respect at that university the way that he's always wanted, not the way when a couple years ago they they reduced his pay and said be better. This was different. Where this game is bigger for Ohio State is that I do believe this is the fate of the Ryan Day coaching search. And I also do think it matters when you have arguably the best quarterback to come out of Ohio State in C.J. Stroud. He's about to become the first pro bowler in Ohio State history, the first NFL pro bowler to come out of Ohio State. You have the best quarterback at the NFL level, and you're going to have arguably in the recent decade one of the best wide receivers if everything goes right with Marvin Harrison to come out. And – you didn't beat Michigan once. You didn't win the Big Ten title once. You can't have that black eye living with the franchise, living with the the university. So, yeah, I think it matters. I think it matters more for Ohio State than it does Michigan because I think there's so much more at play here. I think if Michigan loses, they run it back. They get a fresh slate next year. Maybe they take some penalties in the offseason, and they're off, to, they're off to business as usual, right? Ohio State loses. There is drastic actual changes made top to bottom. You agree with that, Bone? You think it's bigger for Ohio State? It's All the pressure is on Ohio State right now, JP. All of it. Because at the end of the day, you're the team that came in with, you were expected to win the last two seasons. You were previously dominating prior to that. 
And I think that, I mean, you look even from like recruiting rankings, right? Ohio State, always in the top five. Team up north, not even in the top 10 these past few years. Like there should be, there yeah. is a talent gap and you're not seeing it uh, play out on the field as you expect. So I think all the pressure right now is on Ryan Day and those Ohio State Buckeyes. They have to bounce back um, this year. Harbaugh's weird with the NIL. He pays to re retain guys as opposed to like getting new guys. It's weird. It's a... I, that that will come back to bite him in the butt. Not the way that it, it bit Dabo and Clemson. That will eventually come back to bite him. All right, leave that there. We come on back. We're gonna get to the fan focus. Busy nine o'clock hour. We'll talk Joe Flacco at nine twenty. We got off the beaten path at nine forty. A lot to do. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan.